Get it over with. Okay, so welcome to Movie Bros. We just watched Home Alone uh, from 1990, directed by Christopher Columbus, starring um, Guys, Macaulay Culkin. Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus, yeah. That's fucking hilarious. I know, it's a great name, honestly. Uh, you know, he also directed the very first Harry Potter film. Mm. Or maybe the first two, actually. Ooh. I'm not 100% sure. You were talking about another great child actor, and definitely Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, well, <laughs> we're kind of uh, off uh, topic already right now. But, Kevin, how do you rate Home Alone? Give it a 7.25. All right, I give it an 8.5. Honestly, probably one of the best Christmas movies out there. Um, one of the best children's movies as well, I think. It's just got a lot of like fun bits to it. Um, Macaulay Culkin is honestly an amazing child actor. Uh, he just puts a lot of like charm and wit and heart into the role that he's playing, um, which is great because like the entire movie kind of hinges on him. Especially most of the scenes that are there are just him acting alone. And if you didn't have a good child actor, uh, I think the entire thing would kind of fall apart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, he hit the nail on the head, and uh, there's a lot of great bits about this film. Yeah, I think he's actually a better actor than the uh, the old dude. Uh, like the the old man. Yeah. Um, he might be a better actor than his mom. Yeah, better actor than Joe Pesci. Yeah, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Sucks. Which I guess would be like the the biggest name in this entire film, right? Hmm. I guess so. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I can't think of like there's John Candy, obviously. Uh, I guess John Hurd, which is the father. Um, I actually don't know who plays the old man. I'd have to look that up. Mm. Um, maybe he's big in, in some older stuff, but... Um, no. Too, all outclassed. Too ugly to be famous, so... I don't know about that. He's got a, he's got a nice old man look to him. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, Kevin. What, uh, what did you think? I mean, it was definitely a lot better than I... Th- thought going into the movie especially since like it's definitely considered a classic and i feel most things considered classics are actually trash like um the other traditional christmas movies like miracle on whatever street 34th yeah which actually was you saw him like watching miracle on 34th street in this film yeah Yeah, and i feel like most christmas movies that are supposed to be good are actually bad i feel like most of them end up being a little bit too slow uh, especially the older ones. Like, I know you really like It's a Wonderful Life. I also find that one a little bit too slow. Mm. Uh, whereas this one has a lot of, like, nice charm to it, and the pacing is really good. Mm. Um, for, like, an hour and 40 minutes, like, none of it ever feels, like, wasted time. Like, there's a lot of... It's either a lot of, like, fun jokes or, like, building up for, like, the final plot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there's essentially no plot. It's, they leave him home alone. He becomes more self-sufficient, and then he gets robbed, and then his parents come home. Yeah, exactly. I think the bare-bonesness of the plot really gives a lot of leeway for a lot of great things to happen. Like, you have, like, a lot of him, like, playing around in the house where when he's alone right at the start, which is also doubling as trying to giving you, like, a good idea of what he has in this house that he ends up using in the end. Uh, right, he's like playing with the BB gun. He's got the firecrackers, and uh, he uses like the the little shoot that where the um, the iron comes down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so like, there's a lot of like 
the tarantula. Good uses of of those downtimes to kind of like build up for this final bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Macaulay Culkin, uh, his arc is really good in this. Mm-hmm. Kind of just because you really see him like at the start, you understand why he doesn't like his family. Right, there's a lot of them. He feels like underappreciated. They're all being mean to him, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you understand like he's a little shit too, uh, because like they don't really established that, that well. a like, little bit. What does he do to be like a little shit? Like he's they, annoying. Like he'll come in with with his mom on the phone and like, uh, he just ignores the fact that she's like busy and tries to like get her attention, and he's kind of annoying like his siblings he doesn't know how to like pack a suitcase and he like mm-hmm. wants people to do it for him like because mm-hmm. they the big thing is that they say that he's such a scaredy cat and he can't do anything by himself and like everyone has to like look after him but you and know they all hate that fact about him and he's such a little shit about it you only know that from the other characters like you don't really see that it's just everyone says that and then they all leave mm-hmm. and then he has a little fight Tells his mom to go fuck off, and then... Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see, like, there are some, like, annoying bits to him. Like, not anything that would, like, put you off the character, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see that he has, like, some growing up to do, which he does in this film where he's alone and he has to rely on his own, like, intuition. And it turns out he's a super smart kid mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of, like, fun, dry wit. And he's actually pretty good at being on his own. Um... But at the same time, he learns to appreciate his family, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, where I think it'd be hard to pull off those two things in a lot of films. Like, both the growth into self-reliance, then also the final message of, like, family is important. Um, mm-hmm. But it does it really well. Like, it gives him a lot of, like, room to grow, but also... Um, shows how much that he's lost without his family. Mm. Yeah. I remember from, like, watching it as a kid, I remember that his, like, douchebag brother being a much bigger part. Mm-hmm. That must be in, like, one of the other movies, right? Maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just that he just has such a... He, he has a large presence. Like, I don't really remember any of his other siblings and cousins other than mm-hmm. his, his douchebag brother. Yeah. Um, just because he kind of got his own like fun lines to him like he's the only one that actually kind of comes into play in terms of that's where Macaulay Culkin gets his money from I call it Kevin Kevin gets his money from mm-hmm. and also where the tarantula comes from all the other siblings kind of don't really like factor into it mm-hmm. um but uh yeah that older brother I think his name's Buzz or something so, yeah, something, something great like that something like classic 80s bully <laughs> name um but he's the only one that really, like, factors in in terms of his siblings. And I think that's why you remember him so much. And also, he, he, has, a, he has some good lines to him, too. Yeah. There's only, like, five characters. Like, mm-hmm. the, well, I guess the criminals are, like, pretty much one character. His mom, him, yeah. the old guy, and then his brother. Yes. Uh, oh, let's talk about his mom a little bit. Because she has her own, like, kind of little adventure. And she, like, just hops from, mm-hmm. like, plane to plane to plane, finally getting on a with like a, in a budget van with mm-hmm. John Candy's polka group for some reason. Yeah. Uh, they uh, she goes on a little adventure trying to like get him back. Her completely futile adventure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which ends up being completely undercut because mm-hmm. they find, like, the rest of them find their way back almost immediately after her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I feel kind of sorry for her, honestly. Like, she, she sold her, like, earrings and her watch and, like, a bunch of other stuff just mm-hmm. to, like, get back. Um, which I think is important because you do see how much she cares about him. I think their net worth is like a solid 10 mil, though. So exactly. I, I think, think she'll make it. I think it. they'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that, that is something that we realized watching this again, just how rich these people are, which I guess makes sense in the context of the plot. Yeah. Uh, because why else would these bandits really want to get into this house, right? Yeah, or like, and pretend to be a cop to mm-hmm. like infiltrate the house and see if they're going to be there exactly it gives like reasons for why like the house is under threat because it's valuable mm-hmm. um and i think also like the size of it gives like a lot more like ability for action uh in the those final bits where he's kind of turned the entire place into a death trap right yeah like i don't think it would work that well if it was like a one floor bungalow or something like that and it's kind of weird, though, because the house is massive from the outside, but from the interior scenes, it doesn't seem that big. I don't know. Like, I think I think there are a lot of um, places that you don't see. You're right. Like, you don't mm-hmm. see any of the other kids' rooms. Uh, you don't really see uh, any of most of the main floor stuff. Uh, there, there is really only certain areas that you end up getting to, to see. But I think you get a good, like, idea of the geography of the place, which is nice. But what definitely surprised me the most was how the most memorable part, which is the traps, is actually, like, 20 minutes of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot more, like, emotional scenes that I kind of totally forgot about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes of him, like, uh, of Kevin just trying to, like, live his life. Mm -hmm. Uh this is the great bit where he, he accidentally steals the toothbrush because the old man comes in and he's scary. Yeah. And he runs away from the cop, uh, which I guess is one of the major reasons why he doesn't, like, call the cops in these scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, that and probably if they figure out there's a kid alone, they'd probably, like, send him away somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of, like, good elements with the old man which I really like because he ends up being like a really good foil to Kevin McAllister. Um, just because he's just ends up being, uh, this really good representation of what happens when you don't reconcile with your family. Right. I don't know. I think that was kind of the, one of the weaker parts, how he like just didn't call his fucking kid for Mm -hmm. 25 years until a little kid he met in a church tells him to. Yeah. There, I, I I do think the dialogue that they have in the church there is a little bit too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Of they just like straight up to say like, oh, this is my my problem and character motivations. Yeah, and let's resolve them right now. Because everything else in the movie is like they don't just throw out kind of obvious cues mm-hmm. like that. Other than the fucking him finding the the uh, spider and then putting it on that guy's face. Everything yeah. else, like, they, you watched him set it up, so you believed it in the moment. Mm-hmm. But I like him as a character, honestly. Like, cause he, yeah. he's at least, like, sprinkled throughout, and, like, there's a good arc of Kevin being really scared of him, mm-hmm. and then end up realizing that he's just a normal guy with his own problems, and mm-hmm. I think the talk that they have is super important, because that's, like, the emotional crux of 
of the film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, while still a little ham-fisted, I think it's important to have that. I feel like they could probably um, maneuver it in a little bit more subtly. Mm-hmm. But I think well, he's I, an important part. I think that point was pretty much driven home. Like, just especially when, like, Kevin goes to the Santa Claus and then wishes that mm-hmm. he gets his family back. Yeah, he, he, like, even, like, halfway through wishes his family was back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, there's, you, you just said there's, like, two arcs. Is that him realizing he wants his family? Mm-hmm. Like, that arc had already been completed. I don't even know if he needed to, like, reconcile with the old dude. Mm-hmm. But I still, like, I still liked it. It's just, like, I don't know if it was absolutely necessary. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of mm-hmm. say maybe it's a children's movie. Maybe that point would not have come across unless they, like, set it straight up. But at the same point, I think kids are pretty smart. Like, I think the entire, like, main problem that the villains have is they don't realize how smart Kevin McAllister is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even Joe Pesci says, he's like, yeah, he's a kid, he's dumb. He'll, like, just let us in instead of have this weird elaborate death trap for mm-hmm. us. Um, yeah, but, and I kind of, like, the way I remember the movie, it was, like, super unrealistic traps, but there was nothing that unrealistic. No, he's got, he he's got a lot of, I mean, some of them are just gonna straight up kill a guy but uh like if you put that flamethrower a little bit lower probably just burn joe pesci's face off okay yeah yeah, let's talk let's let's get into these traps because like this Mm. is that's the main part of the movie that you always remember you know Mm. this this crazy death trap house um and yeah i think there's a lot of like clever bits that he has there and i like how they were simple with the first one it's just the water yeah there's a good build up to like Mm. a lot of like the kind of crazier stuff um, I guess the first one was him shooting them. Yeah, well, I mean, first yeah. one, easy, his BB gun, just shoots him a bit, and then you have the the slippery, um, like, steps. He should have shot them more. I mean, you yeah, know, like, uh, yeah, probably. He, every time he saw them, he should have just shot them again. Yeah, he should have just kept the BB gun on him. I don't know where he put it after I that. I think he had it on his back the whole time. I don't, I don't think he did, actually, I don't know. Uh, or maybe he did, I don't know. But yeah, he he never really really used it. Um, but yeah, everything honestly was pretty well done, uh, pretty believable. Mm. There's that. There's like just the tar on the steps with a little like nail in it. Um, yeah, just the ornaments was, on the ground. But that one, they like let you know that that guy, the non-Joe Pesci criminal, is specifically stupid. Yeah. So like all the things he does that are stupid are kind of like in character for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the flamethrower is a little much. I don't know how he figured out how to like. I didn't. It went. It like make flashed it, make, really quick, so I didn't yeah. see what it was. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what that was either. Um, was it a fire extinguisher? Uh, no, because <laughs> that's fire extinguisher just don't cause fires. No, but I like that's what it looked like when I. No, I, I think it was it. some kind of like light. I think maybe for the furnace. I don't know. Um, that superheating the door handle. I don't know how the fuck he did that. Where did he get that? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was up. Oh, no, it's from his furnace. There's some, like, old-school mechanical systems that I don't understand that I think he used for both of both of those, because yeah. it's real 90s. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be something that's just not used anymore. But, I mean, the other ones are just, like, heavy objects being projectile thrown out of their face. Like, mm. I I always really like the, um, the iron and the dumbwaiter. Because he hooks it up to, like, a light bulb that doesn't actually, like, turn on. He just pulls mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, that's that's a smart move, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
Pink Hands, obviously, that would probably murder a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, like, the rope bridge that he that he has, and he just cuts it. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, the cars, but that was minimal. Yeah, other than, like, the, the, ornaments. the weird stuff he does with, like, flames and heat, everything else seems very believable for an eight-year-old to actually, like, come up with and implement. Well, his worst trap was the one that, like, nearly gets him caught, which is just a fucking string. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, the tripwire. It's yeah. like, yeah, cool. Like, oh, wait, wait. I feel like Actually, the worst trap was the fucking feathers. Oh, yeah. That, what, that yeah, what the fuck was that? <laughs> um, yeah, because everything else, like, would be a deterrent. Yeah, it causes serious damage. Yeah, it causes serious damage to them. But, yeah, just, he gets feathered. Oh, Which, I mean, it's funny. It's kind of funny. It's funny. You know, yeah. There's humor in it. And I think you want to, like, have some of, the, some of that funny stuff as well. Um, but, yeah, least effective, definitely, out of all of them. Like, he's causing, like, brutal, brutal harm to these guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's somehow, maybe just a little, like, humiliation, you know? It's still PG. It's, like, the perfect amount of harm that is still, like funny to an eight-year-old yeah there's a lot of concussive force which means there's not much blood which i think is what yeah exactly which i think gives it like kind of more pg-13 rating Mm. um which is weird because i mean yeah like a lot of those in real life would just straight up kill you like which ones um well i'm pretty sure i've saw like a mythbusters where like they tried the paint can bit yeah. And it would just like sever your neck. If someone threw a paint can at a you? fully like full paint can yeah. with like was that centrifugal force? Uh-huh. Going straight at your head like it would just dislocate your neck. Hmm. If, it, if you just got hit with it. Interesting. Yeah. But that didn't seem like like obviously it was a little bit like a reaction that doesn't like really make sense they would be they would be way more fucked up from all this stuff like Mm -hmm. especially like falling like two stories into a wall oh yeah and then they get up and cap capture him right after (laughs) yeah no they'd be definitely concussed by then Mm -hmm. i'm amazed they're still walking yeah um oh then they get hit with a shovel too and that was the final bit after all of those like hits to the head it was the shovel that that took him out I mean, that makes sense. Someone hits you as hard as they can with a fucking shovel, you'll probably be KO. Well, I mean, sure, but after the paint cans and the iron and the hitting a wall with your face. Well, I don't think anything was that unbelievable there. No, I think, it, I think the entire thing is implausible, but not in the realm of unbelievable. And that's what I think I really like about yeah. this film. There's, there's nothing like strictly magical about it it's a lot of like strange coincidences that kind of all like come together to make not a like super believable thing that happened but something that would be plausible mm-hmm. um and i think the way that it's filmed just kind of like the the hyperactivity of it like there's a lot of like strange um like choices where like where you speed up the camera a lot of the time where he's like just hanging around in in the house or like when the family is ready to go like just they speed up the camera there's a lot of like weird wacky stuff uh there's a little glint that joe pesci gets with his tooth that mm. uh makes him recognize him yeah. um yeah there's a lot of like 
accentuated stuff like that, which gives you the feel that it's not supposed to be realistic. Mm-hmm. But even then, I feel like most of the stuff that they have is within the realm of okay, I can understand this happening. Like, nothing ever took me out of it, really. Yeah, I mean, like, but it's also from the perspective of the kid, the full movie, so, like, when the furnace is, like, rowling, mm-hmm. it makes sense because yeah. it's, like, the kid's imagination slightly distorting things. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this it's just honestly a really good movie. An uh, underrated part was definitely the first, like, five minutes of him being alone. Oh, you know, like, I feel like that's a relatable portion for when you're a kid, like what you Mm -hmm. do if your parents are actually gone. Yeah. Especially if you lived in a house with that many people, like obviously like not usually he has that many, I think his, his because it's like like extended family. Yeah. He's got like four siblings. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's still a big household and being like left alone for probably the first time ever. I'm sure you just go a little, little nuts. And, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the most enjoyable bits where, like, you would think they would be a bit slower. Uh, I think just the sheer charisma of Macaulay Culkin kind of just gives it its own, like, fun atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, classic baby who's, like, shaving, he just puts the aftershave on and screams. <laughs> Which, Which yeah, I don't understand that either. I'd like, yeah, sure, pure alcohol, I guess is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So it probably feels weird, but... I always thought as a kid that, like, just aftershave was painful because because of this movie. I've never used pure alcohol aftershave, I, so I can't... I guess I haven't either, but, like, I don't know if it would be, like... I don't I think, think it hurt. nowadays it's, like... I think it's just surprising. Zero alcohol or, like, a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, an interesting comparison is I feel like him and Daniel Radcliffe are, like, the same age when they both start in their first movies. I, hmm, that's a good question. Macaulay Culkin is 40 this year, and it's a 90, so this is 30 years ago. So he says he's 8, but he's actually 10. Mm. And I think that, like, Harry Potter is, like, very similar age. Yeah, he would be, I think, Hogwarts accepts at 11. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, they'd probably be roughly the same age. And, yeah, I think I think Daniel Radcliffe was a really good child actor, too. Um I, I think they really chose a lot of really good child actors for Harry Potter. Maybe we'll watch that later. Another Christopher Columbus bit. Really? Yeah. Well, He's Christopher Columbus guy. Mm-hmm. What a fucking great name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he directed the first two. Mm. First two Harry Potters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something that I said, like, halfway through this movie, which I didn't realize, is that I said it was very similar to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, and written by the same person, John Hughes, mm-hmm. uh, who was... A very famous, mostly in terms of teen movies. I don't think he did that many, like, children's movies. Mm. Uh, You know, obviously big things like Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Ferris Bueller. Um, So he's the screenwriter, and then Christopher Columbus is the director? Exactly, yeah. And what else did he do? Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus? um, Oh, that's... I'm not 100% sure what other stuff Christopher Columbus did. But he definitely did. Big ones. Yes, and Harry Potter. Yeah. Which are both child actor movies, which is... Maybe he's a... a Yeah, Christopher Columbus is kind of more of the... um, He loves them childs. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, I don't know how I felt about the mom, though. 
Uh, oh, we did Mrs. Doubtfire as well. <laughs> oh, what a fucking weird yeah. movie that was. And... Oh, he wrote uh, Gremlins. Interesting. It's an old 80s uh, children's movie. Uh, Oh, he wrote The Goonies. Hmm. So Um, it's mainly like immature kind of kid movies he does. Yeah. He's definitely one that is definitely more of uh, a, a child director. A children's movie director. And mm-hmm. I guess his name's Chris Columbus, but I guess be It's yeah. funnier to call him Chris. It is funnier to call him Christopher Columbus. Um, but yeah. He did a really good job. Uh, I definitely one of the uh, the best Christmas movies I've seen. Yeah, like I definitely understand why it's in the running for top Christmas movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um like what? Is, what is your top five ranking, or top three? Oh, for like Christmas movies? Yeah. Oh I, man. I honestly think this takes number two, because number one is "It's a Wonderful Life." Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Okay. Um, and this is I'd say this is number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Grinch I, number three probably. Oh, the Grinch of Christmas. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I really like the stop motion Rudolph. Um, I kind of fucking hate that movie. That one's, that one's slow too, honestly, but it's got some good bits. I was always really scared of the the abominable uh, snowman. snowman. Yeah, yeah. creepy one. As a kid, he's oh yeah, he's shit. terrifying. But you know, kudos to that that uh, studio that did that. Uh, really hard to make stop motion that that terrifying. I don't know. Like I, I kind of want to rewatch it now to understand why mm-hmm. I thought it was so scary. But mm-hmm. I had fucking nightmares. No, I remember like the original like bit where he's like peeking over the mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. you know, what it's, it's terrifying. Uh, uh, what else? I consider Die Hard a Christmas movie technically. Mm, this and is better I than think Die that's Hard. a good one. Um, you don't, you don't think that? That's that's honestly. This a is hard one for me. A much more fun movie than Die Hard. Um, I'd probably say it's a better Christmas movie than Die Hard. Because Die Hard is yeah. barely about Christmas. Mm. But it's a good movie, I think. Um, thinking about it, there's a lot of similarities between the two. This and Die Hard? Yeah. Uh, no. Of just, yeah, just, just a singular person just fucking shit up for uh, like a group of criminals on Christmas... Mm-hmm. Um, through elaborate, crazy plots. But the characters couldn't be more different. Of, yeah, a group of criminals come in to a property to try and take it over and steal stuff, and one person uh, who's there uh, decides to go off on their own and deal with them. There's, there's some similarities mm. there. You think uh, they plagiarized? Wait, yeah. Die Hard's after this, right? Uh, Die Hard was before. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was based on a book, too. Like, very recently before? Um, mid-80s, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Uh, this was 1990. It, it didn't... Like, this definitely aged really well. Like, yeah. yeah. I noticed in the first five minutes, it was like, okay, this is an old movie. And whenever I see that kind of, like, shittier old movie kind of vibe, I'm like... I, I kind of just think that it's going to be a bad movie, but mm-hmm. you get used to that within, like, four minutes. I didn't notice it after that. Yeah. I think it's just just really well done 
for pretty much all aspects, honestly. Uh, a, a true Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, who, who's the worst character? Oh, the worst character in the entire thing. Let me see. I mean, there's not really that many characters. There's a lot of, like, fucking uh, unnecessary. Like, dad, that guy fucking yeah. sucks. Uh, while I like John Candy in general, I don't think he's he had that much to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's no, like, he could have just been, like, a one-liner, like, weird guy on bus she's with. He doesn't need to, like, have his fucking spiel. Exactly, yeah. I think they just gave him some stuff to do because he was already pretty famous at the time. And it's like, oh, we got John Candy. We'll let him just riff for a bit. I was disappointed because I remember hearing that Trump was in Home Alone, but it's not That's Home Alone 2. Because Lost in New York, they stay at Trump, uh, Trump Hotel. Okay. Yeah. Is, like, Home Alone 2 much worse? Um, that's a good question, actually. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think it's not as good, but still not too bad. I think they retread a lot of points. Um, but it's still Kevin Home Alone. Yeah, and it's still the Wet Bandits. The same fucking guys? Yeah, it is still the same guys, and I'm pretty sure he befriends, like, an old homeless lady <laughs> who, uh, like, she's got a bunch of pigeons, I think, is her, her thing. She feeds the pigeons. You can't just redo this. Yeah, so they, re- they basically redo the entire plot, With but it's in New York. Characters. But it's in New York, Kevin. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, well, that's something, like, unique about this movie, which... Only one other movie ever I know it takes place in Chicago, which is by the same director. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Well, no, it's not by the same director. Or same writer. Same writer. Well, it's okay. John Hughes that did yeah. Ferris Bueller, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like there's some movies that are in Chicago. I can't think of any. What about the uh, film adaptation of the classic musical of Chicago? Mm. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, touche. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, I think uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, it was, like, surprisingly good, and, like, after, like, two minutes of getting used to it being an old movie, it was definitely solid the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And definitely a, an underrated emotional appeal, and, uh, yeah, it's, like, the kind of movie you can watch with your mom, she'll love it, you'll watch with the kids, she'll love it, and even your dad might... He might not love it, but he'll like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or our dad. Yeah, I'm sure our dad likes yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, classic through and through. And uh, that's pretty much it for us today. Uh, we will see you guys next time.